you know it's about to happen. You're going to burp? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm Jay. And I'm Robert. One More Thing is a podcast celebrating LGBTQ plus pop culture. We did it. We did it. It took us four seasons. <laughs> Here we are. Welcome back to One More Thing. Today, we will be talking about something we've talked about in the past. And here's what I would like to say about it. Oh, well. I feel like we... (laughs) I feel like we've grown and the podcast has grown. And so I feel like revisiting topics that we talked about in season one is totally okay. Yeah. And also, we didn't do a full episode on it in season one. We just had like a little segment on it in our celebrity episode. Yeah. Also, I feel like season one, our topics were super vague. Our first episode was literally just about movies. (laughs) Should we say what we're talking about today? Yeah. So today, we'll be talking about drumroll icons. Hold your applause, please. (laughs) So the first thing that I want to talk about that will open up a large box of things to talk about. A Pandora's box, if you will. Mm-hmm. Is gay icons versus lesbian icons. Right. Because I feel like they are very different. Yeah. And this is sort of what we talked about in our season one episode. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, how many of you have actually listened to season one? Everybody just raised their hands. So. I know. <laughs> Thank you. And even when thinking about things for the rest of the episode, I was like, I feel like gay icons are icons for different reasons than lesbian icons are lesbian icons and i feel like i get ready for this don't know a lot of lesbian icons i was just about to say that i think gay male icons are better known than lesbian icons why do you think that is because i think gay male culture is more of a part of society than lesbian culture is and even we were at a pride event obviously during pride and like a very famous person came out and i was like who is that and you were like oh they're, like, very famous. Yeah. I was like, oh, and then they made a speech, and I loved it. But at the end of it, I was like, I don't know who that is. And then Conrad Rickamora came out, and I was like, Conrad! Yeah. And so I was thinking about it, and I was like, oh, gay male icons, I guess, tend to be more celebrity-based. Whether they become celebrity because they're an icon, or they are an icon because they're a celebrity more so than lesbian icons. Is that fair? Yes. I think also we should make a distinction between icons to gay men and gay men who are icons. Yes, which is something I had trouble with. Yes. When coming up with like a gay icon for later in the episode. So I was like, who are famous gay icons? And I found a list of famous gay icons. And I would like to read you that list. Okay. And keep track of how many of them are gay men and are iconic for being gay male icons. Well, let me get a pen. Oh, there's a lot. Oh, okay. (laughs) Let's start with St. Sebastian. (laughs) Okay. And then Tennessee Williams. Okay. And then Oscar Wilde. Okay. Marie Antoinette. Maria Callas. Okay. James Dean. Marlon Brando. Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash? Yeah. Okay. Dusty Springfield. Ricky Martin. Sophie Ellis Bexter, Dahlia, I don't know who that is. Huh? Dahlia, 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 I don't know who that is. Madonna, Ava Perone, Dorothy Parker, Betty Davis, Marlena Dietrich, Cary Grant, Judy Garland, Connie Francis, Lana Turner, Susan Hayward, Barbara Streisand, Liza Benelli, 
Joan Crawford, Marilyn Monroe, Tallulah Bankhead, Lucille Ball, Joan Rivers, Donna Summer, Gloria Gaynor, Linda Carter, Cass Elliott, Bette Midler, Frankie Mercury, Patti LaBelle. Freddie Mercury. (laughs) Freddie Mercury, Patti LaBelle, Charo, Dolly Parton, Elaine Page, Prince, Boy George, David Bowie, George Michael, Annie Lennox, Elton John, Diana Ross, Cher, Cindy Lauper, Oprah Winfrey, Joan Collins, Harvey Firestein, Janet Jackson, Deborah Cox, Kylie Minogue, Glenn Close, The Spice Girls, Megan Molly, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kim Cattrall, literally anybody on Sex in the City, Christina Aguilera, Celine Dion, Lady Gaga, Lily Allen, Lana Del Rey, Marina and the Diamonds, Pink, Beyonce, Mariah Carey, Miley Cyrus, Ariana Grande, Kesha, Jennifer Lopez, Sia, Britney Spears, Rihanna, Carly Rae Jepsen, Nicki Minaj. <laughs> Carly! Cardi B, Little Kim, Katy Perry, Tyra Banks, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Kathy Griffin, Jessica Lang, Angela Lansbury, Carrie Fisher, Sofia Vergara, Meryl Streep, Neil Patrick Harris, RuPaul, Sarah Paulson, Haley Kiyoko, Mae West, Tammy Faye Baker, Julie Andrews, Grace Jones, Whitney Houston, Robin, Betty White, and Azalea Banks. And only like six of those are guys. Well, what I was hearing that was interesting was that as time passed and as we got into a more modern era of icons, it became more and more female dominated. Because at the beginning you had like Tennessee Williams, Johnny Cash, Marlon else? Brando, Marlon Brando, James mm-hmm. Dean. But then up at the end, it was like Carly Rae Jepsen, Nicki Minaj, Cardi B, you know, mm-hmm. the tide really shifted from like men and some women to like some men and some women to like women and a couple men, you know, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting because I think as time has sort of moved on, the gay male culture has sort of shifted to being really like celebratory of women in a way that sort of like puts them on a pedestal in a way that it didn't so much in previous years. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you think that's because a feminine persona has kind of been more mainstream in the past 40 years than it ever has been? Or like, do you think that that's because women, especially since the 80s, like like female celebrities and stuff like that were very outspoken during a lot of like gay rights activism, where then gay men could be like, oh my God, they're amazing. Yeah, I think so. I think also femininity has always been so subjugated and so oppressed that like as gay male liberation has occurred, it's become a celebration of femininity. Mm -hmm. And so it's a celebration of femaleness as well. And so female icons are always sort of like expressing what gay men want to be expressing. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that kind of turns me on to what something that I'm going to coin here as the Big Little Lies effect. Oh. I was watching Big Little Lies as most of the country is. And I was like, fuck, I like love this show. I could actually care less about what it's about. It's more that it's like Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman and Meryl Streep and Zoe Kravitz and Laura Dern are all in these like crazy emotional like award-winning scenes together that turn everybody on but like especially gay men i was on twitter and this was a while ago but it stuck with me someone was like if this person and this person don't have a screaming match together i'm gonna say that the show is homophobic because it's like baiting a gay a like large gay male audience and then someone else was like you are a gay man that thinks that a show completely run by and like starring women is meant for him. And that in itself is misogyny in the gay community. Yeah. And 
So I think it's interesting that the gay male perspective has this like huge thing with femininity in looking at its icons, but then at the same time can put it on a pedestal and also take credit for it and be like super misogynistic about it. And right. I don't understand where those, I like, I get it. I, I'm behind it. But in, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I also don't understand how both of those things can exist. Obviously, misogyny in the gay male community is like, deserves a whole episode of its own because it's such a huge topic. Stay tuned to season five. <laughs> I know, really. And so I think we could talk about that like ad nauseum. But I think, and like, obviously, I'm not a gay man, so I don't really know. But I think gay men, I mean, like, the most basic 101 of, like, misogyny in the gay male community is, like, gay men think they're entitled to women. And so they think their love of women is nothing but pure. But the way they think of women is misogynistic because it's hard for men not to be misogynistic because of the culture we we raise them in. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> Sounds like no. (laughs) (laughs) I understand what you're saying. It's uh, I'm trying to wrap my brain around like putting it into practice. Yeah. Like how to worship an icon in a non-misogynistic way. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Because I'm like, on one hand, I saw somebody on Twitter that was like, the best thing about Big Little Lies is that there will never be just like a long scene of two men talking. And I love that. And the person that said it was a gay man. And so I was like, oh, it's interesting to me that like, and not to turn this into like just a misogyny conversation, but that like, it's very clear that gay men watch Big Little Lies for the the iconic women that are in it. Yeah. Even I, when I watch it, can't wrap my brain around the fact that it's maybe not even written for me. Right. That like Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman didn't get together and form their own production company to put up their own show for women. Know what I mean? No, they did. No, like that's what I, I can't, I guess it's also because I don't really know any women that watch Big Little Lies. And so it's like hard for me to like picture what like a woman has to say about Big Little Lies. Even though Big Little Lies in and of itself is only about female problems. Like there's no, any male problem that comes up in it is only because of something the the woman is going through. And so it has, the plot of the show has nothing to do with me of gay what like male and yet i feel some sort of like iconic ownership over it because it's this group of women right does that i think that's what i'm getting to. yeah that makes sense and i don't understand why and i'm like maybe that's because i'm like oh legally blonde is such an iconic film and i so then i equate that with this and so now i feel ownership over this or like meryl streep is such like a great actress and so now i feel like i have like ownership over this and like moulin rouge is like incredible and like such a gay film, even though it's not. And so I feel iconic over this. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Me neither. There's no like good answer, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting topic. And if you have something to say about it, email us. I would love to hear what your, your thoughts. Yeah. Especially since I'm a gay male sitting here talking about women's problems. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the other day I was with some friends and um, their sons were not a patch on your dad. Not a patch. Just, I felt so angry, angry, you know, that they're mediocre, second-rate, pudgy, balding, middle-management sons, still alive, and my Perry, my Perry, I just, I just wanted to scream. So you know what I did? What? I did scream. Want to hear? Okay. I've also never seen the other side of it, of, like, a woman being like, no, Ariana Grande's music is for us. 
Right. Like, it's not about you. Right. But when I went to the concert, it was 12-year-old girls and, like, millennial men. Right. So, uh, Yeah. I don't know. Like, I Ariana Grande writes all this music about her exes and literally an entire album about her past relationships. And yet I listen to it and I'm like, yep, that's me. Yeah. It's, it's fully not. Right. And, like, not even a queer experience. Right. <laughs> but then we turn to something I like to call the Sam Smith experience. <laughs> Okay. You're um, just coining terms yeah. today. <laughs> Where Sam Smith is a queer artist who is writing queer music, and we don't hold him to the same stature as, like, a lot of other pop icons. And I know this is kind of going off into a different tangent. We haven't right. gotten to lesbian icons yet. But, like, this is the box that I was talking about. No, <laughs> like, I know like, what you mean, yeah. Like, when you, what, like, there are so many levels to, I don't know what to call it, iconicism? Iconic, yeah. like, that, like, don't make sense to me. I was totally fine with dropping a butt ton of money to go to the Ariana Grande concert. I didn't pay for it, but, like, a lot of money was spent. But when Sam Smith came to Brooklyn, I was like, no, nah, I'm fine. I think there is sort of a double standard issue, at least in the gay male community, where it's, like, gay men love supporting female artists and female actors, but don't really care about supporting gay male performers Mm -hmm. as much and then get mad and are like well you should all be you should all be supporting queer performers and then aren't you know yeah it's like this year at pride madonna was the headliner and like okay yes madonna has done a lot for the queer community and like said a lot of things in the 80s and was like very prominent and gives a lot of money to age charities i get it but (laughs) for argument's sake is a straight pop star right and I was like, why wasn't Troy Sivan the headlighting the New York World Pride? Yeah. And like, why wasn't Haley Kyoko? Elton John. Yeah. Like, why Like why wasn't it literally anybody else? Yeah. And yet, I'd go see Madonna. And I don't get that. And I feel like, from an outsider's perspective, from the lesbian community, none of that really exists. Or does it? Yeah, I mean, for lesbians, for, for lesbians, let me just speak for all of us real quick. <laughs> Our icons are sort of more like definitely a a lot of straight women, but for us, icons are more linked with sexuality than they are for gay men. Lesbian icons are the women we want to fuck, you know, Mm -hmm. like Kate Blanchett is a big lesbian icon because lesbians want to have sex with her. Mm -hmm. And like there are... There's a different category of lesbian icons who are, like, icons who are lesbians who have, like, done amazing things for the lesbian community and, like, are who we look up to, but they're, like, older women. And when I say older women, I mean, like, Holland Taylor level older. Yes. Not, like, hot older women like Gabe Blanchett. Mm-hmm. Like, older women who we respect. Interesting. So that's like the two categories. I was thinking about that because as I was going through like not only that list, but just like a mental list of gay icons for this episode, it was hard for me to find one, not our age necessarily, but that wasn't Holland Taylor aged, which is, I guess, awful to say. But like, but I was thinking about it and I was like, oh, if you listen to season one, you know that I love the TV show Gaycation. Yes. Which was literally a lesbian and a gay guy traveling around the world telling you about, like, what other countries' perspectives on gay culture are that you wouldn't necessarily know. I don't necessarily idolize either of those people. Lesbians do idolize Ellen Page, though. Sure. But, like, 
I would idolize Ellen Page before I would idolize Ian something, whatever his name was. Yes, I was into him, but like I grew one grew out of that <laughs> and two don't. But I would idolize Harvey Firestein. Yeah. Um, I literally retweeted him this morning, like, and I don't know if that's just because of the the historical value to the person, which is a terrible thing to say. I'm being very ageist. But yeah. like <laughs> But it's fine. But like Harvey Firestein was around through a lot of LGBT history's more like historic events and was like famous through the forefront of it, I'd say, and is still to this day creating art that bases around those things. So I'm like, yes, it makes more sense to idolize that person as opposed to this guy. But like, why? Like, why not? Yeah. And so it makes sense that you're like, oh, it's like either older women we respect or younger people we want to fuck. Yeah. Are you saying you want to fuck Ellen Page? No. Interesting. (laughs) Calm down. (laughs) So this season we're doing something really fun and really exciting. It's called... A book club. We're inventing a new we, thing. Yeah, we invented a, we invented something called a book club. It's going to be super awesome. We're all going to read a book together, and then in an episode at the end of the season, we're going to talk about it. Oh, I guess we should say what the book is. <laughs> <laughs> season four's book is Red, White, and Royal Blue. By Casey McQuiston. Thank you. I, don't, I can't say her last name yeah. to save my life. I yeah. want to say McQuinston, and I know that's not no, it. No, no, it's McQuiston. And uh, we... Can't wait to start something new with you guys. Yeah, we're very excited. So go, you can buy it at wherever books are sold. It's called Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. And the episode airs August 12th. So go ahead and finish the book by then. And make sure you're all caught up because we will not be spoiler free in the episode. See you then. And also every Monday before then. So the next thing we thought we'd do is pick one lesbian icon and one gay icon and compare and contrast them. Mm-hmm. I picked Lily Tomlin. I picked Ryan Murphy. Okay. And not because we're us. Okay. <laughs> I picked him because I you told me that you were doing Lily Tomlin before I picked someone. And I was like, okay, so it needs to be someone that like has done something and that I can look up to. And I feel like the only person out there right now actively doing things for the gay community is Ryan Murphy. Like it, that's in kind of like a globally like respected way in the entertainment industry. Yeah, for sure. Like there are definitely people out there doing things that are not Ryan Murphy. (laughs) Yeah. But I was thinking about it and I was like, Oh, like Ryan Murphy had the foresight to be like, I'm going to do a a show about trans women and I'm not going to be the only person that runs it. Right. And like, I'm going to put Boys in the Band back on Broadway and, like, do all these things with it. Like, I'm going to make a movie of The Prom and, like, I'm going to do... Like, I feel like now that he has the money, like, I feel like that's important to note. (laughs) He now has, like, the pedestal to do a lot of things. And I was like, I feel like... But it took me a while to get there. I had to think about it like a lot of people. Who else did you think about? A lot of people our age, like, years and years, the band, and, like, a lot of people that are playing characters on TV, like Conrad Recamora, who is now like an AIDS activist because of his character on how to get away with murder, like people on that level. But I was like, I mean, I want to fuck Conrad Recamora. I don't like idolize him necessarily. Right. So it took, it took me a long time to get to Ryan Murphy. Yeah. 
I mean, I think they're very similar, Lily Tomlin and Ryan Murphy, because they both are trailblazers. Lily Tomlin was one of the first openly gay comedians to, like, talk about being gay. And Ryan Murphy was one of the first people to sort of bring, like, queerness onto TV in, like, a big way Mm -hmm. and in a family-friendly way, you know, like, on a family-friendly show. Yeah, I mean, just look at, like, the new normal. Yeah. And I feel like... Listen to Posecast every Wednesday, but like Thursday. Or every Thursday. But in one of our Ryan Murphy episodes, we talked about Pretty Handsome. Yeah. Which was years ago. And so yeah. I feel like he's been trying and trying and he's finally figured it out. Yeah, definitely. And now that he has the platform and the money, he can he can now kind of like branch out and do different things. Yeah. Where Lily Tomlin is now, like, I'd say over the past 10 years has been doing a lot of, like, now I've gotten to a certain point in my life, I can do whatever I want. Exactly. Like, even with the film Grandma. Yeah. She was like, I want to make a film about an old lesbian. And so, you know what? I'm going to fucking do it. And then she did, and it was awesome. (laughs) And she should have been nominated for an Oscar for it. Was she not? Oh, she was nominated for a... Golden Globe. Yeah. If you haven't seen Grandma, you're missing out. Go see it, yeah. So what impact did... Get ready for this. Lily Tomlin, how on you? Have I not told this story before? (laughs) (laughs) Under the umbrella of like her being an icon. Yeah. Lily Tomlin, if you don't know, is one of the first like ways I realized that I was queer in some capacity. In my high school acting class, someone got assigned a monologue from the search for signs of intelligent life in the universe, which is a Lily Tomlin one man, one woman show. post-gender and my mom was like oh her wife wrote it and I was like her what and then I was like nine to five what um because nine to five is my favorite movie I was like she has a wife and then I was like obsessed with that and couldn't figure like wasn't really sure why I was so obsessed with thinking about it until I then later was like oh maybe because I would also like to have a wife um (laughs) you heard it here first I I would love to have a wife. If anyone would like to date me, you can email us at one more thing podcast at gmail.com or slide into my DMs. I would, I want to date. <laughs> I do. She's always sort of been both for me and for a lot of the rest of the lesbian community. She's sort of like a bastion of how to just sort of like not give a fuck what straight people think because she, from early on in her relationship because she's been with Jane Wagner for like a thousand years how many years she's been with Jane Wagner since 1971 no thanks yeah I think my parents were like five and she says in 1975 I was making the modern scream album and Jane and I were in the studio my publicist called me and said time will give you the cover if you'll come out I was more offended than anything that they thought we'd make a deal but that was 75 it would have been a hard thing to do at the time And then in 2008, she said, Everybody in the industry was certainly aware of my sexuality and of Jane. In interviews, I always reference Jane and talk about Jane, but they don't always write about it. So she's always been sort of like a person who doesn't really give a fuck what people think and doesn't really give a fuck if she's going to, like, get in trouble for it. She just lives her life openly and, like, doesn't really care and doesn't really, like, sell her sexuality at all. She just is like, yeah, I'm a lesbian, so what? And, like... Other people are lesbians, too, and who cares? And that's what I really respect about her and look up to her for. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think mine's less of a personality thing because it's no secret that Ryan Murphy, like, isn't 
necessarily the most tabloid heavy person. Yeah. He kind of lets the work that he does take the headline and then he does whatever he wants in the background. Yeah. There was an episode of Glee. Hmm, um, <laughs> All right. Where it's the, it's the faggot episode uh, oh, yeah. where Corey Monteith's character, Finn, that's the name. Finn like says the word fag. He says faggy. And then Kurt's dad like blows up and then it turns into like a whole thing. And then he, Finn walks into school wearing like a Lady Gaga dress in the end and him and Kurt like reconcile. And my dad, uh, for those of you that didn't listen to season one, my dad loved Glee, like loved Glee for a really long time until it got dumb, which for him was earlier than the rest of the world. But (laughs) him and I watched that episode together and it's not that he changed his views on homosexuality (laughs) because he didn't. But he stopped kind of using words that we would consider slurs unless like a queer person said them. Like, I feel like he kind of realized those things. And I, it pains me to say it, but like credit that to Ryan Murphy with Mm -hmm. like creating, like you said earlier, like a family friendly, accessible way to bring queer culture and like queer norms to the like eyes and ears of people all over the country. And so I think it started with me being like, thank you for like doing this so that I didn't have to be like, don't say fag. It was kind of just like in the culture already when he started making stuff. And especially because my dad started liking Glee because they use so much Journey music and they use so much Queen music. And he was a big Nip Tuck fan. So he was already kind of on the Ryan Murphy train when this happened. Nip Tuck, which also had like gay people in it. <laughs> and then from that, he just started doing all of like creating all of this content that like now that I'm older. Now that you're 85. Yeah. I'm able to like realize that and respect it. And I feel like going back to something that we touched on during the AIDS art episode where we were like, oh, or I guess not even really, just like something that people think about all the time of like, oh, if I could have been alive while that artist was like putting things out. When I look around at like the queer artists today, Ryan Murphy is, I'd say, one of them that, and who is also gay, as opposed to like Lady Gaga, who I would say is a queer artist, but herself is not gay. I'm like glad that I'm alive in this like, era of Ryan Murphy putting out this sort of art. I can't imagine what it will be like 60 years from now if the earth is still here (laughs) to like watch an episode or like a movie that he's done and be like, oh, if only I was alive while Ryan Murphy was making more movies. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. And I think I'm always excited, even if I know it's going to be terrible. Oh yeah. In my notes, I say he makes mistakes. (laughs) Yeah. Even if I know it's going to be terrible, I'm always excited to see what he does next. Yeah. And I feel like we've talked about it on postcast, but I feel like he's learning as he's producing and like creating. And so even the mistakes that he's made in the past, he's he's like sort of in a way made up for them. He then makes more mistakes. Yes. <laughs> recently with the casting of the prom, but I'm I'm glad that it's happening and that he's he's here. Yeah, me too. So I guess for the first time I will say thank you Ryan Murphy. Yeah, and thank you Lily Tomlin. Pat Kingsley called me, who was my publicist. Oh, God, I love her. Um, She told me that time would give me the cover if I would come out. I don't, it was a hard decision to make. Yeah. And and so I I fell down on the uh, side of probably, after what you went through, probably good sense. Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) (laughs) And you, and my God, all, all that time passed, but... Uh, so I decided that I just wasn't going to play their game. Yeah. And, uh, 
You weren't I, ready. You didn't want to do it yet. No. Well, and I wanted to be acknowledged for my performance. Right. Sure. Sure. But I can see in retrospect that was hardly worth it. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I think is interesting is that Ryan Murphy is a little bit more overtly political than Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Well, because Lily Tomlin is just sort of like chill to a fault. Mm-hmm. Like. I assume she is kind of her character on Grace and Frankie. She's exactly her character on Grace and Frankie, except gay. <laughs> like, With a lot more money. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, and also a millionaire because the magic school bus airs like every day. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. She obviously like in 2016 came out very strongly in support of candidates and like in hotly contested elections will be like there and she wears like a Ruth Bader Ginsburg t-shirt all the time. It's actually a cute shirt. It's got Ruth Bader Ginsburg with a crown. Oh, that, yeah. Yeah, and she wears it with a suit jacket on talk shows <laughs> while Jane Fonda's, like, wearing a dress, which I love. But she is never, like, especially because she doesn't really have, like, a social media presence. She's never, like, donate to this cause. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm doing this. If she does do things like that, which I assume she probably does, she does them without, like, public displays of it, Hmm. you know? Without, like, using her celebrity for it? No, just without being like, today I made a $10 million donation Hmm. to California public schools or whatever Ryan Murphy did. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what that $10 million donation was. He did that and then, like, it leading up to, like, the premiere of Pose, or maybe it was, like, with each episode, he donated to, like trans charities yeah i feel like he's donated like a lot yeah he donates a lot but he donates it very publicly yeah and i feel like lily tomlin if she donates which who knows if she does i think she props i assume she does yeah she doesn't do it publicly she does it like a normal person does just like casually so that's one big difference between them yeah i'd also say that with the very limited view i have on lily tomlin's film career i feel like ryan murphy's work I mean, the two of them have very different positions in the entertainment world, but, like, I feel like his work is always kind of in your face with its political or, like, moral message. And Lily Tomlin has, like, rom-coms and, like, Grace and Frankie and things like that where there are messages within it, but it's not, like, the assassination of Gianni Versace. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I get that, like, Lily Tomlin is also in a different genre, almost. Right. But, like, I'm not expecting any sort of, like, serious, hard-hitting AIDS drama out of the Lily Tomlin canon anytime soon. I mean, we do have, like, the 9 to 5 remake and things coming up. Like, it's not like she has no message. Like, even even just looking at 9 to 5, I feel like Ryan Murphy almost would never do 9 to 5 because it's too not in your face. And Lily Tomlin would because it's like, oh, it's this fun movie that just like is also about misogyny in the workplace. Did you know, however, that the film 9 to 5 actually inspired the ERA, the Equal Rights Act? Really? Yeah. It was one of the inspirations. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So I feel like Ryan Murphy would have made it for that. Yeah. And Lily Tomlin made it and then it went there. Yeah, I feel I like agree. that's what I'm trying to get at between Definitely. the difference between the two of them. The 9 to 5 remake is happening because uh, it like it's sort of in reaction to the Me Too movement and like everything everything that's been going on in the past couple of years. Right. And Ryan Murphy looked at it and was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a Me Too TV show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where like, I don't want to say it's a taste level because that's not what I'm trying to get at. But like, 
but it's a their level reaction of like, to it was very different. It's a level of politic, like outright politicism. Yeah, where Ryan Murphy is like marching in the street with a sign that says like "Impeach Trump," and Lily Tomlin is like riding in a car nearby, smoking a blunt. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. And her car says impeach Trump. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Yeah. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> I would love to see a collaboration. <laughs> oh, me too. Have they ever collaborated? I don't know. I'm going to Google Lily Tomlin Ryan Murphy. I doubt they've even met. <laughs> I'm sure they've met. Was Lily Tomlin ever on Glee? <laughs> no. I don't know. Sometimes I forget about the people <laughs> that have been on Glee. Oh, they've been, like, nominated for the same stuff. Oh, okay. Like, they've both been nominated for Emmys at the same time and, like, GLAAD Awards at the same time. Hmm. And Lily Tomlin was honored at the Actors Fund Tony Award Gala on June 9th in 2019. And I don't know why this came up, because Ryan Murphy's not mentioned here. (laughs) So that's weird. As the podcast has grown, I keep thinking back to when we first made the podcast and I remember like taping your comforter up to the window with tape so that the sound didn't bounce off the wall. And our Patreon subscribers who we've kind of welcomed into the One More Thing family over the years have been so helpful to the season two that we did and the season three. And postcast. Yeah, and have really helped us grow. And I just wanted to say thank you. And if you're listening to this and you are not a Patreon subscriber, I would like you to consider maybe becoming one. (laughs) It would be really great if every listener donated $1 because you know what that would do? We'd get a bunch of dollars. And, oh, by the way, we also have a PayPal now. Oh, right? So if you want to make a one-time donation, I literally just remembered this as we're recording this ad. If you want to make a one-time donation, which would be so incredibly kind, you can go to paypal.com and just PayPal us at one more thing. I have two, I guess, icon questions. Okay. That are sort of based around people becoming icons. Ooh, okay. One, which I'm going to coin as. (laughs) Let me hear it. The Babadook effect. (laughs) Which is icons becoming icons out of nothing. Yeah. Where the Babadook, I'd say two years ago. Yeah, two years years ago. ago, Something like that. Um, was nothing, and then all of a sudden, because of social media and memes and Twitter and stuff like that, is suddenly a, like, large gay icon, even though the movie has absolutely nothing to do with anything related to anything queer. Right. (laughs) And I don't understand it. (laughs) And then the second thing is, I feel like sometimes iconicism, I don't know if that is a word, but I'm making it one. It is a word. Okay, great has to do with discovery. And what I mean by that is RuPaul said something on his podcast, I, I want to say like a year or two ago, is when he throws parties, he always makes sure, he, he doesn't really make entrances. He's just always already there because he wants to meet every person as, and I'm paraphrasing, as they come in. Because what he doesn't like is when, oh, like gay men have a tendency to be like, oh, that famous person is here? Come on. And they like take them by the hand and be like, hey, Ru, you should meet my friend, this famous person. Oh, To yeah. kind of take credit for not only what the famous person has done, but the fact that they're there and that they sort of like discovered them at the party. And then Rue is like, oh, now I'm going to have this conversation with both of you as opposed to me and this famous person meeting at the party by ourselves. 
So what I'm getting to is there's people like like Casey Musgraves, where it's like, I feel like gay men have liked her for a long time. And when I say that, I mean me, because I like country music. And then all of a sudden she got very popular and gays were like, well, yeah, she's been around forever. She's like a gay icon of ours. And now I guess she belongs to the world. And not that I'm saying that it's wrong or right. I just feel like it's a weird sect of iconicism. Iconography. Iconography. Ooh, that's the name. <laughs> Not of the what episode. that word means, but I thought it was the right word for that. That's the name of the episode. Iconography. Iconography. <laughs> but like, even just like the even looking at just like hipsters, like I feel like hipsters like have their icons and then they blow up and there's this like, I discovered them so they're more my icon than they are. Yeah, and it's else's. like, oh, you like whoever name for their songs. Yeah, and even with Lady Gaga, where like when she became famous back in the like uh, er, er, earlier two thousands, like old Lady Gaga. People from New York and, like, people from her scene were like, yeah, she's been huge forever. Where have you guys been? When really, it was she was just, like, on her trajectory to be where she is now. Right. And so there's, like, a feeling of, like, she belongs more to the gays and, like, the underground New York scene than anybody else. And I feel like that sort of I was here first mentality is very deeply embedded in the gay community. Yes. <laughs> and doesn't take a break from icons. Right. Still have questions about the Babadook, though. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about the Bob Duke. I don't know what to tell you. But I feel like neither of those things really exist in the lesbian community. I agree. I don't know if that's just because lesbians are better people. I or... think so. <laughs> you heard it here first. Lesbians are better people than gay men. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I listen to podcasts on my phone. I do, in fact, listen to them with my cellular device. And you know what else I do on my phone is I follow accounts on social media. What's your favorite account? The One More Thing Instagram account. Do you know what my favorite Twitter is? What's your favorite Twitter? The One More Thing Twitter account. It's the only reason I still have Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're already holding your phone to listen to this podcast, why not head on over to Twitter.com and follow One More Thing with an A, because I was taken. (laughs) And if you're holding your phone still and you want to do something else, you can go over to Instagram and follow One More Thing with an A, because I was taken. And then you can go to Facebook and follow One More Thing podcast and Letterboxed and follow One More Thing. I think that's it, right? We post a lot of stuff about the podcast specifically and also news that we're obsessed with. It should be in your close friends list. Like, I I want to see all y'all. All right. It's time for the One More Thing of this week's episode. And you know what? For the first time, I'd say in a long time, we're going to play a game. Yay! <laughs> I feel like we started the, sh- the whole podcast out with being like, it's going to be a fun game. And then it morphed really into this other thing. really never has been a game. <laughs> but we're going to play a game. The game is a no board version of Guess Who. If you've never played, it's a game where each person has the choice of like 30 people. You pick one and then the other person tries to guess clues that would reveal the identity of the person that they've chosen. And we switch off clues. Yes. Great. And like, as the clues are revealed, you kind of know like who it's not. So let's play Icon Guess Who. (laughs) Fantastic. Do you want to go first or should I? You go first. Is your person in the entertainment industry? Yes. Is your person someone you you want to sleep with? No. Is your person a man? No. Is your person someone who is known for speaking? What? Like uh, like a speaker. Yes. Like like makes speeches and, and things yeah. like that. Okay. 
Is your person a woman? Yes. Is your person a woman? Yes. Hmm. Is your person a singer? Among other things. Is your person alive? Yes. Hmm. Is your person an Oscar winner? I don't believe so. Is your person blonde? No. Ooh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Is your person our age? No. Is your person a redhead? No. Okay, narrowing it down. (laughs) (laughs) Is your person best known for acting? That's hard to answer. I'm going to say yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes. Like a difficult yes. Okay. Does your person have a well-known family? No. Hmm. Is your person active on social media? No. So it's not ever messing. (laughs) (laughs) Is your person someone who I would see in, like, headlines today? And not be surprised by it. No. Hmm. A difficult no. Okay. To steal your... (laughs) Is your person alive? No. That's why they're not on social media. (laughs) Is your person accessible? And when I say that, I mean like someone that we could buy a ticket to go see or see on the street or like, like around. No. Ooh. Okay. Is your person Judy Garland? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Is your person Carly Rae Jepsen? No. Ah, oh, damn it. Okay, can I ask one more? You can keep asking until oh, you get okay. it. Just Is... remember that I won. <laughs> Is your person on social media? Let's find out. <laughs> yes. Are you following them now? No. <laughs> Do I know this person? Yes. Okay. So it is fair. (laughs) Yeah. Is this person our age? No. Okay, I'm going to guess three more things. Okay. Is this person best known for being an actress? I'm going to steal your question. No. Singer? No. I don't know any other people. (laughs) Is this person someone that makes a lot of money? Yes. Is it Ellen DeGeneres? No. Okay. She has blonde hair. Oh, right. Is this person... Is this person white? Yes. Oh, weird. Okay, and my final question. Okay. Has this person won major awards? Yes. Okay. Is it Anne Hathaway? No, wait, no, that's not, that's not real. (laughs) Because we know that she's on social media. (laughs) Is this person, no, it can't be Jane Fonda because she's blonde. Wow, I'm stumped. I don't know what to do. Do you want a hint? Yeah. This person is not an actor. Mm Mm-hmm. But... We have seen her portrayed in a movie. What? <laughs> is it Jackie Kennedy? <laughs> no. <laughs> is it... No, she's not blonde. No, she's not supposed to be blonde. Yeah, I know. I, I, was, like, uh, I was like, oh, is it Tanya Harding? And I was like, no, she's blonde. Uh, um, uh... <laughs> we've seen her portrayed in a movie. Also, Tanya Harding is not a lesbian icon. <laughs> When have we seen a lesbian icon movie? Is it Battle of the Sexes Woman? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Billie Jean King. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You did it. You got there. I won. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My male privilege showing. <laughs> <laughs> So there you have it, our episode on gay icons. As always, remember that we have our movie club and our book club coming up crazy soon. So if you're not on it, get on it. As always, thank you to David Zimmerman and Abby Davis. Remember that you can become a patron at patreon.com slash one more thing. You can give us a one-time donation on PayPal at one more thing. You can follow us on social media, one more thing. You can, can you do anything else? You can also give us individual donations on our personal Venmos. You can also slip into our DMs. Yeah, once again, I do want a wife. And we will see you next week and postcast. Yeah. If it's still Maybe on. if it's still on. <laughs> we record out of order. <laughs> Bye. Oh, no. Speaking of people slipping into my DMs. Oh, who? This guy. You just said Mr. Ackerman. What? <laughs> <laughs>